Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. My co-host is Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, how's it going? You know, uh, the club is bumping. The ladies look good. The alcohol is flowing. Uh, there's much pain in the world, but not on this podcast tonight, Patrick. <laughs> God, you're so right. It is. You say tonight. It is like 4 p.m. on that's a Friday. Right. But um, yeah, that's. I mean, listen. When you live the the Scarface ass lifestyle like we do, 4 p.m. is is the new 11 p.m. Many are saying. When you have the lifestyle of a uh, freelance writer in America's biggest suburb, Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. What else can you do but celebrate? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do something today that's a little bit different from what we do, um, which is we're going to talk about things that are actually happening right now. We usually just sort of talk about like nonsense that doesn't really relate to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the, the the current events. We're going to turn on our our, uh, our newscaster voices. We're going to channel Rush Limbaugh. Um, <laughs> rest in peace to the king. Um, <laughs> hey, and- uh, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Rush Limbaugh the least problematic guy we're going to be talking about today? On the he's episode? the least problematic Rush, certainly. Um, <laughs> but we're going to talk today about Kansas, the Kansas job specifically after Les Miles was ousted, um, along with Athletic Director Jeff Long, and uh, we're also going to talk about some uh, some scandalous recruiting talk down in in the uh, in the Deep South in Georgia. Um, Ryan, what are we what are we doing with that? Yeah, so we're going to kind of talk about um, a pretty interesting audio leak from a, uh, a coach named Rush Probst, who is the coach of uh, Valdosta High School in Georgia. Um, we'll get into the details when we get to that segment a little bit later on here, but uh, essentially Rush kind of detailed what he understands as the seedy underbelly of recruits being paid uh, in the SEC and kind of what that looks like, um, who did it, uh, <laughs> who's going to keep doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about that, kind of explain what he told uh, on a secret recording, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, so we, we're going to start in just a second, but before we do, we're going to start with Kansas. But before we get into all of that, um, we would like to mention, again, we, we talked about this at the very end of the last show, which was admittedly probably not a great time to do it, um, that we are taking questions for a Q&A episode that is tentatively planned for next week if we get the kind of questions that we're looking for and the number of questions we're looking for then we'll do it next week yeah don't fuck this up for us guys. yeah guys come on we don't want to have to send ourselves fake questions we'll do it but we don't <laughs> want to um it's too much work but uh if you have questions that you want answered on the show about presumably about football we don't really want to talk about not football <laughs> stuff this is not a well eh, mostly football mostly football if it i'll were, also talk about like olympic weightlifting yeah. uh strongman yeah that's um, yeah, that's fair. Fast food chicken sandwiches, <laughs> but other than that, other than that, mostly football. <laughs> yeah, those are the big three. Um, so, if you have questions, please send those in either as part of a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If it's not a five star review, we won't actually let you listen to the podcast anymore. We'll blacklist your. That's uh, right. Yeah, your your uh, your whole deal. You An IP get. ban. We're calling anonymous. Yeah, they're gonna hack your mainframe. <laughs> they're gonna delete system thirty two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're just going to fucking erase your whole computer. <laughs> you won't be able to listen to us anymore. So We're going to Julian Assange you if yeah. you dare. Yeah, exactly. Dare not give us a five-star Yeah, we're just going to lock you in a box. Um, so, five-star review with your question, or if you're not on Apple Podcasts, um, or if you just don't want to leave us a five-star review, uh, go to Twitter um, and send us the question at Field Flipping on Twitter. Uh, all one word. And you can just send that in its own tweet. I don't think we have a tweet calling for questions, so just add us with your question, and we will uh, we will get to it next week. Um, Ryan, you want to get into it? Yeah, I guess also we could probably just put a tweet out calling for questions too. We could do that. 
it's tough to say. Yeah, we'll we'll look into that that sort of yeah. uh, that sort of thing. Generally, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're uh, looking into it very strongly. Yeah, yeah, we're considering it, and we're going to be held accountable for our actions. Um, <laughs> let's get into Kansas. Yeah, let's talk Kansas. So Kansas, as I'm sure I would I would hope most of you know. Um, is without a head coach after um, former head coach, also former LSU head coach Les Miles was fired earlier. As we recorded earlier this week, it'll be last week as this episode comes out um, for how would you, how would you phrase it? I guess sexual misconduct at LSU. Yeah, I think um, we're not going to get too far into the details ourselves. Yeah, there are uh, there are other places where you can. You yeah, can there's get excellent more reporting on this. Uh, Less basically systemically sexually harassed women uh, and teenage girls in the athletic department for years at LSU. Uh, He was reprimanded for it, kept doing it. Was very nearly fired in 2013 by, what was it, Joe Oliva? Joe Oliva, the LSU athletic director, which LSU fans uh, hated him for because they thought it was unjust and and, the full details came out. As it turns out, it was in fact just. Yeah, Yeah, and it was really a pattern of just really awful team management, kind of scummy behavior from Les. Like we said, uh, we are not fans of Les Miles. We're happy he got yeah. fired. He deserved it. Um, but the details, I think we're going to leave to the the excellent reporting that's been out there on that for quite a while. Yeah, I think USA Today had really good stuff on that. So if you if you do want info on that, then go read those articles. I don't think that this is a great avenue for that sort of discussion mm-hmm. anyway, um, given that, you know, one, this is a football podcast. We like to talk about football, too. Neither of us really have a ton of experience in, you know, talking about stuff like that. And um, three there's better the reporting does it more justice than we could yeah at the risk of being glib we kind of like to make stupid jokes about football yeah. uh, we will get serious uh, on some things but really it's not our, our forte yeah this is it's not our place to uh, to really add a ton of stuff Les was correctly fired and, and seems to be a bad guy and that's um, so the the thing that is more pertinent to our our podcast here is like I mentioned the Kansas job um, the fact that it is open it is considered I, uh, almost roundly to be the worst Power Five job, right? It would be that or Rutgers, which yeah, you can maybe argue like Washington State's up there, yeah. but uh, at least Pullman's a cool town. Yeah, Pullman. <laughs> yeah, and and Washington State and Rutgers have something that Kansas doesn't have, which is at least a few wins in the last twenty mm-hmm. years or so. Kansas had one twelve and one season under Mark Mangino, and pretty much nothing since. I think it's all losing seasons outside of that in like one, eight and five year. Yeah. Um, Rutgers did have the Greg Schiano years. Washington state was pretty good consistently under Mike Leach. I mean, really good in a couple for a couple years. Um, and Kansas doesn't have that. So I, I think that it's largely agreed upon that Kansas is the worst power five job, um, which makes it a very interesting job to talk about because this is kind of the, uh, you know, the ultimate in, in college football circles of like, this is the job where you can apply weird stuff to and just see if it sticks because nothing else has, uh, has really stuck here. So I I think that we can just sort of start by talking about this job as a whole. And I, I wrote a piece about this on my, uh, my newsletter, the outside zone. Um, this is a program that has had, I don't know the number of coaches off the top of my head. I think five coaches since, uh, the last one that won there somewhat consistently, which would have been Glenn Mason in the late nineties. Um, after Glenn Mason, Kansas hired Terry Allen, who was the, bad. yeah, he was bad. He was the head coach at Northern Iowa, won there pretty consistently. Um, I think he went 12 and two in his final season, went to Kansas, didn't do especially well, couldn't really recruit on the pace that Glenn Mason had. Um, after Allen, Kansas goes to Mark Mangino, who was actually the most successful coach of the modern era, but was fired for um, like wide, widespread player abuse within his program. Um, he also 
took a bunch of junior college players and then passed that along to Charlie Weiss, who failed at Notre Dame, then also failed at Kansas, extended the JUCO sort of pipeline into that program to a point where they had like 35 scholarship players by the time that David Beatty took over. And it's so shocking, too, that with his decided schematic advantage that he didn't win games there. Yeah, very strange. Um, In between Beatty and Weiss was Turner Gill, who did nothing of importance at Kansas. Really bad. Yeah, Yeah. really, really bad. Then took over at Liberty. Didn't do very well there either. Um, Just not a very good football coach. Um, And then Beatty, like I mentioned, who was hired from Texas A&M. He was... uh, he was with the Kevin Sumlin ace recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, took over. His plan was essentially to try and recruit like the SEC does in all ways, but you can't really do that at Kansas because the, uh, you know, the, the institutional buy-in is not there. Um, hired some pretty good assistant coaches. I really liked running backs coach Tony Hall, who recruited the Louisiana area, but he just didn't really have time to build anything, couldn't really get anything going consistently, didn't seem like they had a, a plan for what they wanted it to be other than just to try and you know, accumulate Louisiana guys that the, the SEC had, had not, you know, wanted for whatever reason, be it physical or off the field stuff. Um, accumulated a decent amount of talent through that. I think Puka Williams, the uh, the running back, came through the system mm-hmm. by way of Louisiana, a couple other guys. Um, but just not enough talent to, uh, to compete. And they at one point did have like three or four blue chips from Louisiana mm-hmm. committed at the same time. And then Puka they all decommitted. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, they only kept Puka, right? Was only I, think, I think it was Puka, and then there was a cornerback whose name I forget. I covered that recruiting class. Um, and it was just like, uh, it was horrible watching all of these guys decommitted. <laughs> like, oh my God. They had, uh, I think they might have had Jamar Chase at one point. If memory serves, that sounds right. I to think me, they actually. might have had Jamar Chase committed, and then he was like, mm. "Well, thank God he didn't do too much." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, they had a whole batch of uh, there was a, there was a cornerback who I think stayed committed. It was like Corion Harris or something. Um, I think we've talked about it before too, but it seems to be a recurring strategy for these like lesser programs or, or programs that think they're lesser mm-hmm. that will just really push for early commitments from players they know they're never going to keep. Yeah, trying to generate buzz, essentially. Yeah, they try to have buzz, momentum, and then inevitably, every time when those players yeah. decommit to go to better schools or more local schools, uh, it ends up creating negative momentum. It just seems like it just happens yeah. every single time. It I, never works. We talked about that, funny enough, with uh, Tennessee. Yeah, two, right? an which, equivalent yeah, job Two very similar programs, yeah. um, <laughs> which makes you just go, if you go back to that episode, makes you question the Tennessee recruiting approach just a little bit more, because... I mean, if you're doing the same thing as Kansas, something is probably wrong. But um, <laughs> after Beatty was fired and then um, essentially rooked out of his buyout money, right? Like Kansas tried really, really hard to not pay him his buyout um, because like a, uh, a a graduate assistant watched film with a quarterback and then became an assistant coach or something. Um, <clears throat> but uh, then it hires Les Miles, who uh, obviously did not work out especially well. Recruiting wasn't very good. Team wasn't very good gets fired um and here we are with a a kansas program that is essentially right back where it was in you know 2009 and then again when it hired david Beatty, where there's just not very many players on the roster like just scholarship guys um les miles didn't do much to build up the program the plan was to improve to improve the talent base and then hand off to an actual coach that obviously didn't work and now kansas is in a place where it is sort of rudderless without a head coach without an athletic director um Ryan, after that extremely long introduction, what the hell do you do here? What what do you do? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of touched on it too, but uh, beyond just the problems of trying to play in a Big 12 conference where you're going to have a talent advantage, uh, like the way your talent advantage is structured is just so difficult to overcome. Uh, I mean, the state, I, I know we talked about before, my kind of background comes from recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas uh, is not in or does not border a single top 20 state in terms of power five signee production. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean like Oklahoma Missouri are decent states. Colorado's improving a little bit. Um, Kansas is not good. Nebraska is not good. And also uh, all those kids go to the schools in the state. You know what I mean? Like why mm-hmm. would a kid from Nebraska go to Kansas over Nebraska? Why would a kid from Oklahoma go to Kansas over Oklahoma or Oklahoma state? Yeah. Uh, and so on and so forth. Missouri with all the schools that recruit St. Louis, um, Patrick, do you know, or how about, how about we do this? Uh, I'm going to give you a complete list of metropolitan areas that produce football talent. They're within a four-hour drive of Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. We've got Kansas City. Okay. That's hmm. it. That's all we've got. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. the only one. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's not great. No, no. You don't love to have only one city and really... Uh, we've talked about this before with Tennessee, just like being able to recruit... Yeah, Tennessee, kind of, which has like 35 cities yes. within, uh, you know, five minutes. Yeah, I think we said it had something like 200 uh, power five... Or something like 200 yeah. FBS P5 signees per yeah. year in a four-hour drive, whereas Kansas has like 10 or yeah. 12. Yeah. Um, it makes it incredibly, incredibly difficult to land talent. Yeah, this is sort of... Think of this as sort of... I kind of like the uh, the dynamic of comparing this episode to the Tennessee one because we did fix a program in that. This is sort of a fix a program in the sense of like Kansas is obviously busted. I think the solution is the exact opposite, right? In, in Tennessee's case, you're trying to figure out how to tap into that talent base. In Kansas's case, you're trying to figure out what the hell you do without any talent because I don't think Kansas is ever going to be able to recruit at a high level. Right, and I know we talked about Puka Williams, who, who is obviously a very great player for Kansas, one of the most exciting players they've had in uh, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, but I think really the problem is that Kansas has continued to try to keep up with that, the, the spread offense, the, yeah. you know, the, the ba- fun- Beatty specifically was running the Texas A&M offense, yeah. which is like spread air raid. Right. Exactly. Trying to run that air raid system in the big 12 where every single team you play against is more talent than you. Yeah. And has more team speed than you is so difficult to do because you're just never going to be able to create the speed advantage you need uh, and the mismatches you need in, in coverage to be able to score effectively and to be able to keep up with those teams in the offense, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think to me, Kansas should probably be looking to a neighbor in Iowa State to kind of figure out what their plan should be. Um, uh, and, you know, we talked about this a little off the air, but I think really what Iowa State has made successful is understanding that they are not going to be able to run the same offense as the rest of the conference and score. Mm-hmm. Um, what you do have, though, is the fact that Kansas is closer to the upper Midwest than any other team in the conference. It has access to a fair amount of offensive line talent that it should be building the game, building its game behind an effective running game. They want to run the ball downhill. Mm-hmm. They should be trying to shorten the game, shorten the clock, whether that's with an option offense or just a power run attack, uh, a zone attack. Um, they need to be able to run the football effectively and to beat teams up and wear them down over the course of a game. All these yeah. defenses in the Big 12 are designed to stop schools like Oklahoma and Texas and Baylor and what they've done. They Almost all of them run 4-2-5 defenses, right? Yeah. Um, they are not very stacked on defensive line talent at all. It's specifically mm-hmm. why Oklahoma yeah, even loses like, the playoff every year. Yeah, even like like you were saying, Oklahoma, that defensive line is not very good. Right. They have a Neville Gallimore and a couple yeah. other guys, but it, it just overall, it's been very ineffective over time. Yeah. And, and that's what you want to take advantage of is the fact that 
you know, even if you do do this effectively, like even though Iowa State's been very good, it's not like West Virginia is going to stop running that 4-2-5 because they're only concerned right now about knocking off Oklahoma. That is the goal in the conference is to beat Oklahoma. Yeah. So you have to be able to take advantage of that and exploit it and try to run the ball down their throat. Yeah. That has to be your offense. I, I don't know about you. I don't see any other path forward beyond trying to be a more effective running team that, that builds itself on its offensive line. Yeah, and, and something that I think is is interesting about this, and we talk about the failures of Kansas in the past and the idea that this job is, I, I think there's a there's a, a widespread thought that this job is hopeless, right? Which I don't know if that's entirely true. Um, something that is interesting to me here as I sort through the uh, the Kansas season since 2007. Um, it, it has had, I believe... Yeah, it, it has had four 1,000-yard rusher seasons since 2007. It had one mm-hmm. in 2007, um, two under Charlie Weiss, and then two with Puka Williams. Um, but I, I don't think that that really, like you said, Puka was not really that style of guy, right? Mm-hmm. And those offenses, Weiss is to a, to a lesser extent, he was kind of a, a you know big, dumb football kind of guy. Um, he just couldn't recruit at all like even a little bit he's just like generally a repellent guy on the recruiting trail um (laughs) which is unfortunate um but uh like puka williams you know fitting into the david Beatty offense fitting into strangely enough the less miles offense which really liked to run rpo especially in 2019 um 2020 it didn't really like to run anything it liked to punt um love that but like david Beatty didn't really have a ton of interest in holding on to the football they wanted to go quick they wanted to score fast and so those those thousand yard rushing seasons were kind of wasted on the fact that they weren't holding on to the football at all they were Mm -hmm. a lot of explosive runs yeah it was it was big runs which doesn't really do you a ton of good when you're the worst team in your conference right like it's nice to have big plays but you can't but if your big plays result in you getting to your own 45 and then punting what's the difference yeah i mean averaging five yards a carry like puka did in 2019 he averaged 5.2 doesn't matter a ton if a lot of those yards are on big gains right Mm -hmm. um whereas you look at you know the analog that we're going to keep bringing up is iowa state right Brees hall is not a big big play running back right mm-hmm. he gets five yards every single time he touches the football and David Montgomery before him too it's the same way yeah, it was like, not an explosive back it was like, quick footed and knew how to read his blocks yeah and that works really well when you're trying to you know hold on to the football and play defense right you, you need a running back that can do that and <clears throat> it, it is you know you have to get those guys and it's hard to get those guys when you're in the middle of nowhere right and Lawrence is not technically I mean you're not in the. You're not like in the middle of like a bunch of hayfields. Right? No, you're there's, forty minutes from Kansas yeah, City. It's, it's the Kansas City There's suburb. shit there. It's just that there's not really recruiting talent there in the in the sense of like in the way that it is for even you know just down south Oklahoma, right? You're you don't really have those guys, and so you have to get a little bit creative. And unfortunately for Kansas, the way that most coaches in the past have gotten creative is by immediately hitting the JUCO route, loading up your roster with guys who don't work well together, and then graduate after two years. Um, it's and, hard to build continuity, identity, and culture yeah. doing that. Yeah, especially when you don't ever have a coach who can build culture even a little bit, right? Like, none of these guys were culture guys at all. Right. I mean, Mark Mangino's culture was dog shit. Like, he got fired for how bad his culture yeah, was. Yeah, he was incredibly rude to his players. Yeah. He was demeaning. We, yeah. yeah. Um, the and, Chris Doyle of head coaches. Yeah, truly. Um, and then, you know, following him, none of those guys were either there long enough to establish culture or had any idea of what they wanted their culture to look like, like David Beatty. You know, David Beatty recruited fairly well relative to what you do at Kansas, but he didn't know what he wanted to do with those guys. He just wanted to accumulate talent and then figure it out from there and didn't have the time to do that. Um, and so I think that the 
you know, the, the, the solution that a lot of people throw out and the solution that I think you, you support, right. Is like the, the Lance Leopold route. Right. Um, so can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Leopold is a guy I've talked about in previous episodes. I, I think I called specifically for Tennessee to hire him, mm-hmm. which I still feel I was right about. Um, and, uh, you know, what Lance has done, going back to his time as a multi multi time national champion at Wisconsin Whitewater, is he builds culture. He makes players want to play for him, right? When you're a D3 coach that is consistently successful, um, you don't have scholarship athletes. Like, no one there is on a scholarship at all. They are all playing for free. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the reason guys want to come to you is because you develop them better than anybody else. You have a winning culture. You can make them into future coaches. Um, and I think really you uh, you give them a chance to be a part of something uh, bigger than almost any D3 football program, right? And then he goes to Buffalo, which is the least talented, I would argue, uh, worst positioned program in the MAC. Yeah, uh, which is already maybe the worst positioned conference in the country in terms of overall roster talent. Yeah. And he has won a ton of games there. I mean, he got into the conference They're the best team in the conference right now. Yeah, unfortunately, they did lose to Ball State in that yeah. conference championship game. But what Jarrett Patterson did is incredible. We've talked yeah. about Kelvin Marks coming behind him. He's also another great running back. Yeah. Um, Leopold uh, develops offensive linemen at a very high rate. I think he had a kid go pro from Whitewater when he was uh, the head coach there. That sounds right. Um, and he also is developing running backs now at a very high rate. Yeah. Uh, he is getting guys who can run the football downhill and can punch you in the mouth play after play and don't get tired doing it. Yeah. That is the goal. That is exactly what you should be doing. I know, we, like I said, we're talking about Lance Leopold. We're talking about Iowa State and Matt Campbell. Those are very similar coaches. Mm-hmm. They're guys who are culture builders who believe in dominating the time of possession. Um, and really build everything else from those two principles. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that, that someone like Leopold doesn't necessarily I, – I have a different proposal, right? I, I uh, As we've talked about before, I trend a little bit more towards option than, than Ryan does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Buffalo coaching staff in general is, I think, the exact kind that Kansas needs, right, and the kind that it hasn't really tried yet, which is strange. You'd think that at some point they would try something like this instead of just – ramming their head into the wall over and over again <laughs> you would think yeah, that yeah you, you would think but like getting an established i guess that they kind of did this with terry allen um getting an established winner who had who had won at a lower level and bringing him up rather than like a flash in the pan like turner gill who i think went eight and six at buffalo and that was his big season before mm-hmm. he went to kansas um it's like it's a hard job you know if you win eight games at buffalo credit to you but right um lance leopold has done better than that um at the same exact school under arguably tougher circumstances yep. um because you know more teams can can recognize who the good recruits are now that everyone is online all the time um and so I think that trying out a staff like that that has so much continuity I mean he's had a lot of these guys forever you know a lot of the a lot of his staff is as it has been for years and years and years this is these are his guys um and he hires really well he devi- develops really well honestly I don't know if he would take this job I think he's above Kansas right I I don't know I, I it's it's hard to see someone like that turning down a challenge like Kansas because he's won in such difficult places before. Right. But it's, it's hard to say. I mean, just because like, you know, I think it's not football is not as fun when you talk about the financial side of it. But I, I mean, I do think if if a guy, I mean, if he's they're going to offer him a twenty million dollar contract mm-hmm. where where he no matter what he does, he walks away with. Enough money to set up generational well, wealth for his family. Unless he talks to David Beatty, then maybe he won't. <laughs> maybe he won't be so sure about that. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I, I think Buffalo is not just one of the worst jobs, like in 
uh, the Mac, maybe one of the worst jobs in the entire FBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, you know, besides UMass, uh, again, sorry to one of my UMass listener. Yeah. Um, I think pretty much any jobs that upgrade from that, especially a Power 5 job, um, especially a place where I would assume with a new AD coming in and, and the scandal they're looking at right now, they would probably give him a long leash. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope that whoever the new athletic director is understands they need a culture rebuild and they need to fully reset and not try to just get up to winning six games a year next year or something like that, which yeah. is never going to happen. Yeah. Um, it depends. I mean, the question is, is the administration going to have patience or are they going to try to build which, sustainably? Which it hasn't yet. It never has, right? Yeah. So hopefully they have something like that. Hopefully they kind of think about football in a smart way and yeah. try to build a culture like we're talking about. Um, Pat, do you have any faith they're going to do that at all? Not really, which is why I think that Lance Leopold might not take this job if offered, mm-hmm. right? Is because he's not stupid, you know? He, he can look at this job and be like, well, the longest that any coach has gotten since, you know... Mangino was like four years. You know, it was like Charlie Weiss got, I believe, three years and then two games into his fourth year, and then that was it. And that's, I mean, coaches don't like that. <laughs> and what's probably also not going to help is I'm sure there is some, uh, you know, scab out there, some, you yeah. know, some G5 coach who's going to say, eh, well, fuck it, I'll take three years of this job to make, you know, $12 million and then run off with the money after the fact. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Who won't yeah. really care if he wins or loses. I'm sure that's uh, definitely kind of, there is that coach out there. for <clears throat> Mike knew, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, and I just, I don't know if, if a guy like that who is so built around, you know, building a, a stable program, building up the program, right? That's his whole thing is that he, mm-hmm. He doesn't go somewhere to be there for two years. He he wants to build something that can last. I think he's done that at Buffalo. I think he has increased the floor of that program in tremendously. A, yeah, in a yeah. way that has never happened there before, and doesn't usually happen in the MAC at all, right? Like yeah. that's that's really hard to do. Yeah, and and I do hope that whenever they make this hire, that the its own athletic department does not view their own program as hopeless, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, because so many of these schools. I know you mentioned Rutgers. We mentioned Iowa State. Um, Vanderbilt under the James Franklin era, uh, Washington State under the Mike Leach era. Yeah. So many of these quote-unquote helpless programs, uh, or hopeless programs rather, that are considered the worst in their conference or the worst in the Power Five overall, have had winning stretches lately. Like, it yeah. is possible to win at literally any Power Five program yeah. in America with the right coach in place who understands yeah. what the challenge is and knows how to attack it. Yeah, I mean, not an FBS job, but think about Will Healy at uh, Austin P, right? Mm-hmm. That was a school that had lost like 46 games in a row. And Crazy. and now it's a playoff contender every year in the FCS level and you know, recruiting guys who got kicked out of Ohio State and things like that. Um but like Yeah, Brian Sneed, what did he have like uh, was I think it was 3 carries for 186 yards and 3 touchdowns in their first like uh, first game. Something like that. But like you in college football specifically, if you hire a smart coach, if you hire a smart coaching staff, you can win anywhere. You can win anywhere. Anywhere. You just, you have to have a, it's like, I don't want to sound dismissive, like it's easy, right? It's not. Like, you have to be a really, really good football coach what, to win like at Kansas. Hard? Yeah. yeah, but, like it, you know, like Mike Leach is a, objectively a good football coach. He's a dumbass. He's a just like a, like a stupid guy, but he's a really, really smart football coach. Yeah, I mean, hell, look at Bill Snyder right at the road, what he yeah. did for, I mean, God knows how many that's, years at Kansas State. That's not easy to do. No. It takes a lot of work. And what did he build it on? He built it on buy-in and culture. And yeah. Even though he recruited Juco guys primarily which yeah. uh, we, I don't think we said this yet but Kansas is like 
the world's capital of junior college football. Yeah, there's a reason that coaches keep doing it there. I just right. don't think it's it's ever going to work unless you have Bill Snyder. Yeah, And sure. I don't think Lance Leopold yeah, is Bill and, Snyder. And, and Bill Snyder's players came in with the understanding that even though it was a short-term fit, they were there for two or three years, that his culture was king, and you had to yeah. buy into the culture. He developed the hell out of those guys, right? Yeah. Like that's the That was the thing that separated Kansas State from everyone else that has tried the JUCO thing, is that he developed his JUCOs. And he also ran the hell out of the ball, too. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. that's another thing. They had that, uh, I remember who that quarterback was. They had a quarterback in, like, 2012 who was just... Colin Klein. Colin Klein. Yeah. yeah. Was massive. And that guy was, like, 6'3", 240. Yeah. Maybe I'm making that up, but uh, watching him play, he looked like Tim Tebow physically. <laughs> yes. I can't remember what the context was when I did this, but I wrote about Kansas State a while ago, and the thing that made that, not to go off too far on a tangent, mm-hmm. but the, the reason that you can't really replicate the Bill Snyder thing unless you're really, really good, is that not only did he recruit those JUCOs, bring them in, get them to buy in, and then develop them, he was in pretty much all ways like the college football offense chameleon, right? He did not have an offense. He did not have a set offense. He took whatever he had on that team, and he pieced together something that made sense for that group. There were times where they had a a stronger thrower at quarterback and they threw the ball, you know, like there were times near near the end of his tenure where they were running the air raid. Mm -hmm. Um, He just he shifted his off. That's right. I was writing about Dan DeDemel at, uh, at UTEP, um, who's trying to do the same thing. But uh, that was Snyder's gift was that he could change his offense to whatever he had. He, he had all these, you know, these, these scrap parts that he got from, you know, Juco's in Kansas, and he could piece them together into a, a, uh, a functioning yeah. offense. He which, had an island of misfit toys that won 10 games. Yeah, here. yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, it goes without saying, no one can do that, but Bill Snyder, that's, yeah. that's a Bill Snyder specific thing. And, trying to trying to chase that high like go hire Sean Snyder I guess but like that, that's a once in a lifetime kind of coach so short of building a time machine and going back five years to hire Matt Campbell or 30 yeah. years to hire Bill Snyder um, who are some other candidates you you personally would push for this job and you hope Candace considers so mine have a very a very specific tent to them which will appear right away um my the one that i wrote about is willie fritz um at at tulane who is a a leopold-esque program builder right he that's that's his thing is that he wins everywhere he hasn't wanted a high level at tulane but he has turned a bad program into a bowl program consistently Mm -hmm. that's like it doesn't seem like it should be a hard place to win that's a hard place to win especially in the american conference you just you're very low on the pecking order there even though you're in new orleans um he won at Georgia Southern. He won, I believe, at Sam Houston State. He has option ties. He's no longer really an option guy, but I, I don't think that it's for a lack of interest. I think it's just that he doesn't really recruit those guys right now because he's in Louisiana, and um, no one in Louisiana runs the option in high school. I think if he was a coach in the MAC, he would run the option um, because Ohio runs a lot of option at the high school level. Yeah. And so I think that he would probably look into doing something like that. The other two that are that are you know bandied around that I would like quite a bit, um, Jeff Munkin at Army, who's really good at what he does, and Ken Niamatololo, who has been doing this forever. Yeah, those are names that come up often, and it's for a good reason. I yeah. mean, they're very good coaches. Uh, you know, Ken, that Navy program has been pretty good. I'd mm-hmm. say it's been the best of the academy programs for quite a while now. But yeah. Uh, Jeff Munkin turned Army around. I mean, Army was really bad that, before he got yes, there. Yes, yes. Army, I mean, it had lost, what, like 16 straight or something that to, sounds to right. Navy. It was just, that's, it was a bad program. Yeah. Um, and he, that's, <laughs> it's another one of those, like, that's not easy to do. Um, and they both obviously run the triple. They run the standard triple. I don't know if they would take that directly to Kansas. Mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, articles saying 
that, that it would be a positive that they don't take it directly with them, that they alter it. I don't think that's true. I think you should absolutely run the flex bone at Kansas because mm-hmm. if you are, I don't know, um, Baylor, and you go from preparing week four for Oklahoma to week five, you have to go to Kansas, and Kansas is running the fucking flex bone, you're going to lose that game. <laughs> like yes. That's that's it. You're going to lose that game. It's so hard to prepare for in a one-week basis. Yes, in the Big 12 specifically. Yeah, of course. We talked about this earlier, but I mean, that's the thing. is like You are you want to be a stylistic mismatch for the defense you have to play yeah. week to week. Do some conference. weird shit, right? Like, yeah. Iowa State does that on defense, specifically with their, you know, we have 11 safeties on the field, <laughs> and all of them could blitz at any time. Uh, um, go ahead. Uh, you know who's a coach who is was really good at creating a stylistic mismatch in a conference that was built to defend something else, who... Wanted a high, relatively high level for the program with a talentless advantage for years, and is desperate to become a head coach again. Urban Meyer. <laughs> You're not too far off the mark, because I was going to say Kevin Wilson. Oh, Kevin Wilson like loves too. to run the football. Yeah. Um, I, this past year at Ohio State, they aired out a lot more than he ever has before, which makes yeah. me think that's more of a fluke than it is his influence or more just Ryan Day's I, offense. I think it also also that he's just not running the offense. Right. Like, I think he he coaches the running game, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, look at how dominant his running attack was in the final. Two game or the the two of the last three games of the season when Trey Sermon absolutely went off against Northwestern and, and in 2019 and in yeah. 2019, um, I mean he had quite a few good runners when he was at Indiana. Um, notably the running uh, who's the running back I'm forgetting there that went pro Tevin uh, Coleman. Tevin Coleman, thank yeah. you. I think he also had Jordan Howard, right? Yes, he had yeah. both those guys at the same time. Yeah, he also had quite a few good running quarterbacks. I think he recruited Xander Diamond there, who mm-hmm. had some successful games. Um, yeah, <laughs> some good games, what maybe. A, uh, what a beast! Yeah, uh, we love Xander <laughs> Diamond. Uh, anyway, uh, I mean, you really, I, to me, I think you want to be looking for coaches, like you said, guys who, whether that's in the option, whether it's in the flex bone, whether it's in just a standard power spread running attack, run the goddamn football, man. Yeah, shorten the game. Your only chance is if you're giving your opponents as few possessions as possible. Um, and, and you're honestly on defense. We kind of talked about this off the air, but. You're just going to run a four-two-five and pray yeah. it holds up and, and yeah. try to play risky for turnovers, uh, recruit ball hawking safeties and hope they just make something happen for you. Yeah, be um, the offense version of what Iowa State's doing. Do something weird, right? Yeah. You can't do it on defense because Iowa State's already filling that that niche. But yes. do do weird shit. Have, hire a coach that has an ideology. They haven't done that yet, right? right. It's been 20 years, and they haven't once gone and, and, and thought, why don't we hire someone who believes in something specifically like as their only thing that they do? It seems like all the coaches they're getting are like, well, I'm going to try to get better players than the last guy had. <laughs> and uh, shockingly, because you're at Kansas and you have to only recruit out of area, it doesn't work. I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. why. I, I mean, you know, Dallas being a seven-hour drive away, yeah. uh, uh, St. Louis being a five-hour drive away, I'm sure has no contributing factor to that. The fact yeah. that you're not close to any major area besides Kansas City. Yeah, are, are you telling me that the you know three-star linemen that come out of Dallas would rather play at SMU than the most dog shit program in the Big 12. Crazy. That, it's yeah. hard to imagine. Yeah, weird to consider that the good running backs from that area are going to, you know, Houston or right. SMU or whatever it might be instead of Kansas. I wonder if maybe, you know, there's something contributing to that. But if you're a Kevin Wilson type, if you're Jeff Munkin, if you're Ken Niamatololo, Lance Leopold, Willie Fritz, whatever, you have something you can sell, which is that ideology. You have mm-hmm. something you can you can go you know, Kevin Wilson would be a great example um, and is someone that I like to get another head coaching job sometime soon. Like you, you'd have to think. Um, I, I wonder if his, you know, his issues in the past with like 
Yeah, I was thinking about that when I suggested yeah. it. And the fact that he has a history, maybe I don't know player. if Kansas could do that right now. Yeah, but um, but theoretically, I think he's a guy. Not to go too far off on this tangent, he is a guy who I think would light up the American conference. I think that he would make a lot of sense in the American because it is, it, it is like so a, run heavy. Yeah, as a successor, maybe to Fickle Cincinnati. Even mm. though I have oh, previously man. lamented the G five retread higher there. Yeah, uh, I, I think Marcus Freeman probably gets that gig, but definitely. like you put him at like um, shoot. I can't think of any programs right now. Um, you put him at Memphis, right? I think he would win at Memphis. I yeah. think that he would win at a lot of places. I mean, he's a rich America. man, Justin Fuente. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is just rich, Justin Fuente. Yeah, <laughs> Justin <laughs> broke boy, Justin <laughs> Fuente. Um, but with Wilson or someone like Wilson, you know, Leopold, whatever it might be, like Leopold can do this now. I'll use him as the example. He shows up at a high school in Dallas. He can say, "Hey, look at Jarrett Patterson, who just scored 45 fantasy points last week for the Jets, or whatever." Right. right? Like, look at these guys who I just got drafted. Check out what Kevin Marks is doing right now at Buffalo. Check out what that line is doing. Right. Once I get this thing going, we are going to mash ass, and you are going to be able to run the football for 2,000 yards. And I'm gonna, and not just you, the starting running back. If you get second, you're gonna get a thousand yards. Yeah. Too. We are gonna do nothing but run the football. Yeah, we're gonna. Run run the goddamn football yeah. and it's going to work and yeah. like that's that's a thing that you can sell that is a tangible thing that you can sell other than what the the past six coaches have been selling which is uh well we'd like to recruit good players and you're one of those and so <laughs> you know well let's let's make this happen and yeah. as it turns out that doesn't work very well um and that would work with the option coaches too there are guys in texas who don't run usual offenses there are there are option offenses in texas there right. are option offenses in kansas there are Five foot ten quarterbacks who are really, really good at reading an isolated defensive end that can't throw the ball twenty yards, and you don't need to throw the ball twenty yards in that offense, right? But the 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 connecting thread to this is like we've said before, you're doing something different. You know, you you have something that you can sell to a different kind of recruit, or you have something that makes you stand out. And it's just it's about having that thing that you believe in, having that core ideology that separates you from the rest of the Big Twelve, and you know. If you're Lance Leopold, if you're Kevin Wilson, if you're Willie Fritz, you have that pitch to running backs of that area that Oklahoma doesn't have, that you know Texas doesn't have, right? Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian is not going to sell you on being a two thousand yard rusher, yeah. and not that you expect to beat those schools. For no, but like, the, yeah. but you, but compared to a place like Baylor, a place like yes. Tex, uh, like TCU, which as we talked about, does not really have an offense at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or Texas Tech, who does not run the who's, football. Who's the five star running back that ended up at TCU? Oh hell, uh, Zachary Evans. Yeah, uh, I mean that's a hell of a recruitment. That yes. is not. Uh, that's that's. It's, he did not end up there because of TCU's offense. Let's just no, say that. Yeah. No, but like, not even necessarily guys like that. But like the mid four stars, right? Who aren't getting the top Big Twelve schools, but are getting the Baylor's, are getting the Iowa States, you know, places like that. And right? again, those guys are like just pouring out of Dallas and Houston. Yeah, there are so many good running backs in that state. Yeah, they just. Uh, I mean, they end up in plenty of different places, but you can get one of them. Yeah, you'd think, <laughs> right? Like you. And, and like you said, the linemen, you know, you don't need a good quarterback to do this. You don't. Buffalo doesn't have a good quarterback. No. Kyle Ventrese is not. <laughs> he's he not. Yeah, he this sucks. this yeah. man is not like balling out there. You know, uh, you mentioned Xander Diamond. That guy was not a good quarterback, right? He was just he wasn't. He was it, neat though. Yeah, he was. It was funny <laughs> to look at, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like the. Army. Army doesn't have a good quarterback. You don't have to throw the ball to run that offense. Keenan Reynolds at Navy was not a good passer. He was Mm -hmm. really good at running the option. And that's sort of the idea behind this, and not to belabor the point too much, right? 
we're just which we've done for 20, for 10 minutes now. Yeah, no no, we're yeah, good. We'll get we'll get out of this loop in a second. But it's essentially what you're doing here and I think that what Kansas needs to do is it needs to stop playing into the problems that it has, right? Stop trying to they're recruiting into the wind, essentially, right? Like, why are you trying to go out and get these really good receivers? Why are you trying to go out and get these quarterbacks? It, it lacks a self-awareness. That is yeah. their biggest problem that I think we keep coming back to, is they do not understand the program they are, and they're not trying to play to their strengths. And yeah. Uh, like we talked about, all you need is one coach to show you the pathway for how to compete there and what and what the situation is in your current conference and how to contend, uh, and it solves the problem for the rest of you. And I think Matt Campbell has showed them the path. Yeah. I just don't know if they're capable of following it. Yeah, like, uh, we're gonna find out this year, I guess. But and I'm really looking forward to revisiting this uh, whenever they do make their hire. I'm sure we can touch on it again whenever that happens. Yeah, um, I'm sure it'll be bad, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the funniest. Per- Gary Anderson is the funniest answer. <laughs> Gary Anderson. <laughs> Gary Anderson quitting after uh, after games. Texas beats him like yeah. 62 to 10. Oh, he's just like I hate it here. This yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give my money back. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry for taking oh, the job. Oh man, yeah. I uh, they're gonna hire like. Demented how mummy. They're gonna hire like like, Tosh Lupoi. Oh my god! Yeah, (laughs) just to get the the. uh, They really have just been going further and further down the. We're gonna be a bagman school path without any good results. They just want to try it again. Why not go further? Yeah, I just Just T Rob and Tosh Lupoi running the program together. Yeah, just really, really (laughs) good. Yeah, we're gonna go out and hire Willie Taggers. Like, why are you gonna do that? That's a weird thing to do. Speaking of bagman, do you want to go on to our next topic? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, in 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 one second, I, I will just say very quickly here um, as a as a closer to this um, directly to the Kansas Athletic Department, whoever is making this hire, stop trying to act like a fucking big boy and win some goddamn football games. Win some games. Yeah, you're not Oklahoma. You're not Texas. You broke. You're not SMU. You trash. Play something that works and win some goddamn football games. You suck. Yeah. Go six and six for five years, and then you can start to recruit like an actual team. Just learn from your mistakes, for Christ's sake. Yeah, like just do anything. Do yeah. anything at all. Okay, let's let's talk. Hire, uh, hire me and Pat to run your search. Yeah, yeah. let's talk Bagman. Okay, so, uh, Pat, do you know who Rush Probes is? Vaguely. Okay. Vaguely. So today, uh, we're talking about something you guys may have heard about in the news. Uh, legendary high school coach Rush Probes uh, has won seven state championships across the states of Alabama and Georgia. Uh, you may know him from his uh, appearance or, or his featuring role on the MTV program Two-A-Days during the early aughts when he was the head coach at Hoover in Alabama. Um, he's now at Valdosta in Georgia, uh, or, or maybe at Valdosta in Georgia. He's currently under investigation, which we'll get into later. Uh, <laughs> he's at Valdosta, allegedly. Probst has sent more than 250 players to play FBS football in his 30-year career as a head coach, including dozens that have gone to play SEC ball, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason he's in the news is that Probst was recorded by the head of Valdosta's Boosters Club. Uh, his name is Michael Nub Nelson. We mm-hmm. call, we're going to call him Nub from here yeah. on out. Um, he was recorded discussing alleged payments made by Alabama and Georgia coaches and boosters to players uh, across the Mid-South. Um, but especially in the Georgia and Alabama regions that Probst has coached in for four decades now. Um, so this audio started an internal investigation within Georgia, uh, and despite everyone named denying the allegations, and it's expected to do the same in Alabama, although they apparently haven't started theirs yet, which mm-hmm. is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to salute to them for just pretending like it didn't yeah, happen. I yeah. do love that. Which is also what Rush has done in the days since this. Where <laughs> yeah, he the, said it was fake. Right? Yeah, when asked for a comment from a reporter, he said something along the lines of like, no, that's not true. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so probes, like I said, is currently under investigation by the state of Georgia's Professional Standards Committee uh, for requesting that his own boosters at Valdosta pay for his mortgage and his, uh, give him a gas card monthly mm-hmm. and throw a little extra cash to the tune of about $4,500 a month his way. He described his previous system at Colquitt County where he started out at $2,200 a month, and because he kept winning more games, they gave him more and more cash, and he actually ended up with 4500 which he's now requesting for his starting pay. So. Mm-hmm. You have to respect him trying to get a raise. We do love that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so it's believed that the audio was leaked by Michael Nub Nelson, like I said, yeah. who was the other half of that conversation. Uh, he's the head of the Valdosta Touchdown Club. Mm-hmm. Um, he's currently in a dispute between him and Propes where, where he's trying to get Propes fired. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, – he said he only sent it to two people, uh, one who's connected to Alabama and one who's connected to Georgia. And he said he's not possibly sure how this audio got out. <laughs> I really do love everyone here involved playing dumb on this. Which is, we're gonna, yeah. You're going to keep hearing me as I go through this. Yeah. So, we're going to play a couple of clips for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be edited in here. Um, so, these are directly from the audio leak himself. Uh, Nelson has since confirmed that it is indeed probes on the audio in a conversation with the Athens Banner Herald. And he also told the Atlanta Journal-Constitutional that he's been interviewed by Georgia's Compliance Department and expects to hear from Alabama soon. Although, again, Alabama has not started its investigation, to our knowledge. Pretty funny. Just going to yeah. keep ignoring it. Yeah. It'll go away, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going to, so quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can confirm, at least, that this is almost certainly a real conversation yeah. that did take place between two guys named Nub Nelson and Rush Probst. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probst, a coach who's had players recruited and signed by Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Mark Richt, Jeremy Pruitt, Les Miles, Ed Orgeron, mm-hmm. Gus Malzahn, Jimbo Fisher. Every SEC Dabo coach. Swinney. Yeah, every successful SEC and ACC coach, essentially. Yeah, every major coach in the South that you can think of yeah. has recruited Probst players, and most of them have signed them, too. Yeah. Like I said, he sent, I think, over 50 players to the SEC in his career as a coach. And that's just since 2002, which is the year from us back, I can find data. Yeah. Um. He coached for a full decade before that. <laughs> so it's it's there's yeah. a lot of players out yeah. there. Um so um Oh man, I've just I've just had the thought of uh Phil Fulmer <laughs> recruiting this guy's players. <laughs> That's just the Spider Man <laughs> meme. It's two identical guys looking yeah. at each other. Oh man. Just showing up with like a burlap sack with a dollar sign on <laughs> <laughs> uh, they try to pay each other. <laughs> <laughs> Just hand in the bag back and forth. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Probes had at least one player offered and recruited by Kirby Smart himself during his time at Colquitt County. It's an area he specifically references during the audio as a place that Kirby recruits dirty in. Um, with the help of former Bulldogs offensive lineman Hugh Nall. Mm. Uh, Nall was a member of the 1980 uh, uh, National Championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, Probst also alleges that Brown's Pro Bowl running back and former Georgia All-SEC standout Nick Chubb was paid nearly two hundred grand to stay in school for his senior season. Um, just go ahead and take a listen to this clip real quick. You know what Kirby's doing at Georgia right now? You know why he's taking that pro in the way he is? I think because he's a good recruiter. He is, but why do you think he's getting these kids and keeping kids in and all that stuff? Taking care of them. So he's got a guy named Hugh Nall. Lives in Albany. Hugh is the Hugh is the guy that sort of handles things. Okay, he's the handler. Okay, so Kirby's come down and met with the richest of the rich of South and West Georgia. Not Southeast, not Lincoln, Southwest where he's from. Mm-hmm. He got the richest guy in Bainbridge. He got the two richest guys in Caldwell. 
He's got Rich Gallagher and Valdosta. Anybody's a Georgia player. I don't know who he's got in Valdosta. Multi-millionaires. Now, listen, do you know how much money they spend on a player when they get them? Some of them are $9,000 to $100,000 to sign. Some of them are nine to, what? $9,000 to $150,000 to sign. Like mm -hmm. Chubbs. When Chubbs came back and Chubbs didn't go to the NFL draft, Mark Motley, it was three sixty thousand dollar donations given to Chubbs to stay in school. That's hundred eighty thousand dollars for him to have, for him to not go declare for the draft. Yeah. So, but that's what Kirby does. Well, who did he learn that from? Yeah. I don't shit though. Nick Saban. Now again, just as a reminder. Probe specifically says that Kirby Smart uses Null to gather funds and pay recruits in southwestern Georgia. Kirby grew up in Bainbridge, Georgia. Null lives in Albany, and Probe has coached at both Colquitt County and Valdosta. These places are all within about an hour, hour and a half drive of each other in the southwestern corner of the state, more than three hours south of Atlanta. These are places where Probe has intimate knowledge of the coaching and booster communities and knows many of the prominent recruits signed out of the area. We can't obviously confirm what he's saying, but we do know that Probst is, at least on this issue, if nothing else in life, very credible. Mm -hmm. He can speak exactly to how the SEC recruits players in that area, who would be involved, who are the major stakeholders, who has influence in that area, right? Um, Nall has come out and said this was completely fake, um, <laughs> which is funny. Mm -hmm. um, Kirby has said it's not true. Nick Chubb said it wasn't true. Cam Newton has said that it's an ongoing investigation. Right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the, of course these guys are all going to say that. Uh, I guess the question is, why would we assume Probst is lying on an audio that was recorded without his knowledge yeah. to a guy he was talking about? Uh, which is funny. The entire reason the conversation happened in the first place is that Probst was trying, like I said, trying to get Nub to pay him extra money. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> he was almost lauding the system these guys had. He was saying, look, look how good yeah. Kirby and Nick are at this. They have a great system going. <laughs> and I'm exactly like and that. And I want to be exactly <laughs> like that. Um, there's also some allegations. I'm going to get into Alabama stuff here in a second. Um, apparently Probst had applied and, and asked multiple times to be a head coach, or not a head coach, uh, be an assistant coach in Alabama staff. And it's pretty upset he never got the gig. Uh, same with Georgia. Mm -hmm. So they're saying there's some bitter, you know, the Georgia and Alabama fans out there are saying there's some uh, kind of some sour grapes on his end. And that's yeah. why he's saying this. I'm sure that's, you know, totally real and not just message board drama to yeah. say. Yeah, certainly message boards have never sort of, you know, tried to either wave away potential paying of recruits or allege it going on elsewhere, right? Yeah. The, the message boards are always on top of this 100%. Uh, I was just for fun reading the Alabama message boards before. Yeah, as <laughs> before one does, this. yeah. And uh, there was, it was certainly tongue-in-cheek, it was a pretty funny comment. Uh, the guy said that uh, uh, he thinks that Ropes was uh, paid by Auburn to tell us about Alabama <laughs> But he's probably telling the truth about Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I did really appreciate. Oh, God. Message board culture around this kind of thing. I, I'm sure that you're more familiar than with this than oh, I am. Oh, I live in it, baby. Yeah, because for those of you who don't know, Ryan is a sicko who's just like on the message boards I constantly. Have been, I have been posting on forums on the internet since I was probably 11 years old. Yeah, yeah. But um, the, the we, we, we talked about this a little <laughs> bit off. Which is healthy and good. Yes, yeah. it's cool. We like to do it. Um, we talked about this a little bit off air. Um, the, the culture on message boards around bagman around paying recruits is so funny, right? Because it, it is just, it is so like, uh, you know, 
like mightier than thou. You know, it's like, well, everyone it's, else does it except for us. Yeah, it's right? willful ignorance, right? Yeah. And then you get the even more self-delusional thing. We get like, well, I'm sure we do it a little bit, but these guys <laughs> just do it more and better. You know, that's all. We just do it here and uh, there. My, you know, my but... favorite is always like the, uh, well, this this was happening at my school. ESPN would be all over it, but because it's in the damn SEC, yeah. it's like, I don't... <laughs> Shut up. Just sh- it's that's Honestly, if you're in a program that wins football games and you say that shit, you're being a loser. Yeah. You're being a big whiny baby yeah. and I want you to shut up. Yeah, quit crying. Yeah. You're look, you're winning games, you're getting recruits. Who cares how you get them? Yeah. What do you give a shit? Yeah, I don't care. I yeah. guess what, whatever. And also the coaches these people like celebrate as not doing this stuff have like oftentimes been caught being dirty. Yeah. Ma- like many times. Yeah. And the guys that like, you know, get have the worst reputation are the ones that have not been caught. Yeah. Like think about this is in the basketball example too, right? But uh, again, I am sure that John Calipari play, pays many recruits. Mm-hmm. I am sure he that... He kind of does it openly, it seems yes, like. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that all of the good coaches do this. But then you find out the guys who are like the culture builders, who are really serious. Like, mm. uh, you know, like what Sean Miller's in Arizona was the funniest one, yeah. right? I mean, it was just, uh, you know, quarter million dollars to go get these guys. Yeah. Uh, every coach is doing it. Every school is doing it. It's don't, fine. Don't yeah. ask too many questions. Just shut up yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah, it's fine. You're unless you are directly involved with it, it's not worth caring about. Yeah, you're right? a hater. Yeah, like and unless you're, you know, the uh, you know, you're showing up at the uh, at the Waffle House talking with another booster figuring out who needs to get paid, right? Then yeah. you're fucking you're fine. It doesn't matter. It, there was a, a story someone told me one time that uh, this is just alleged parody parody uh, satire. Parody yeah. satire. Non, I cannot confirm non-actionable. this is true. Uh, we are not reporting this. Um a, a as someone who'd be familiar with the this, are we allowed to tell this on the on the podcast? What I'm about to say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's you know it's it's satire. Okay. It's parody. <laughs> um, someone once told me that a school uh, in the southern region, a power five school in the south, um, had had a really great recruiting class. They were hitting big both in their own state and out of the state. Mm-hmm. However, a problem occurred whenever the in-state recruits learned that the out-of-state recruits were getting paid. And they weren't. Yeah. So kind of like the scene like in We're the Millers. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with this movie? Yes. 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 <laughs> you guys were getting paid? You guys were getting paid? This is, I will say, a common thing, right? Yes. Yeah. This is... A lot of schools purport to not pay in their own region, yeah. which usually is fine because you actually have relationships there. You can recruit these kids. They want yeah. to play for you, the whole deal. Um, except if you're in an area that's hotly contested, like let's say it were a southern state like a Georgia or a Florida or a Tennessee. Yeah, a, school, a state that has multiple SEC schools, right? right? It's very easy in that case to get in some hot water if they find out everyone else except them is getting extra benefits. Yeah. Uh, so apparently the school did rustle up some extra. They lost a couple of commitments. They rustled up some extra cash for the rest of them. Kept most of the class intact. Still signed a very, very good recruiting class. Yeah. Just a fun little story. Like yes. Tell. Yeah. And it's it's like that is that's how it goes, right? There's a there's a an agreed upon sort of going rate for things like this. And right. if you get caught, it means that you did a really shitty job. Yeah, and the way this works, uh, just from my own experience, and again, this is alleged, I'm, I'm not confirming any of this, just what I've heard, how things work yeah. uh, through my time covering recruiting, there's both legitimate and illegitimate ways that guys get paid, right? So part of what you can do is you will have um, seven-on-seven coaches or even high school assistants or uh, just trainers who will take kids on a tour yeah. to different colleges, different camps, 
and they'll be in a, a an assistant coach, or they'll be uh, they'll get speaking fees for speaking to the campers yeah. during the summer camp circuit, which will most of this stuff happens, right? Yeah, there there was and, a, 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 uh, there 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 have been very high profile coaches in like Ohio specifically that do this, right? Like that take a bunch of their kids on these big recruiting visits, right? They it's, go get it's, a big bus, they yeah, charter it. This is a common thing. This yeah. is a thing that you do when you're a high school coach a lot of the time. And when you can tell, especially as this is going on, when a guy from like uh, Miami or like Southern Florida mm-hmm. is driving a sprinter van uh <laughs> like all the way up to ohio and all the yeah. way over to oklahoma just crisscrossing the entire country yeah. to hit every single school on the route uh, yeah. that's how this happens right these guys will get paid legitimate speaking fees or legitimate coaching fees and then some of these places if there's a specific player that is desired um to make sure he comes back for the next visit there'll be an extra little cash paid to him yeah. right to make sure he can have his travel covered things of that nature oftentimes the recruits don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, someone they trust or someone that their parents trust a lot is handling these visits. Um, they have a lot of influence in the recruitment because let's face it, most families before they actually have an athlete that gets recruited have no knowledge of how this works. Yeah. If you're, if you're 17 and you're a really good wide receiver or something, you don't understand what this process is yeah. and, and you're probably going to end up getting fucked over if you're just trying to do it on your own. Right. If you even watch college football, you're ahead of the game. Yeah. A lot of these recruits don't care yeah, they, about college They football. don't really like football. They just play it. Right. Yeah. It's a job. Right. It's certainly not something they follow obsessively like fans do and learn the yeah. ins and outs of, especially how recruiting works. Um, excuse me. Um, so the, these influence peddlers, these people who, who do have experienced this, who have been, you know, maybe a, uh, someone who is well regarded in their local area yeah. for knowing how to handle college football recruits. Yeah, long time years. seven on assistant, long time head coach exactly. at a high school level. Trainers, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. These guys will be leaned on as resources by the family. Um, and so they can be paid by the school without the player or family even knowing about it to then influence them in a certain direction, yeah. right? This happens a lot. Yeah. There's also the more explicit cheating where you just pay someone's dad or, yeah, or you it's, get them you a know, job. You, you've got the, uh, you know, you got, you got a thousand bucks in the, the prom suit jacket, things yeah, like that, course. right? Yeah, the thousand dollar handshakes talk about the McDonald's bags full yeah. of cash, Tennessee. The, 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 the classic Ron Meyer showing up at a high school as the coach at SMU with a, uh, with his, his business card and a 50 and just ping, pinning it to the whiteboard yep. and pointing at the kid and then leaving. <laughs> there was a story, um, this is not my telling, this was years and years ago, one of the Oklahoma coaches, maybe Oklahoma State, yeah. uh, had an, an in-home visit for a recruit, um, and after he left, he called the kid back and said, hey, um, I forgot my wallet in your house, um, there's no cash in my wallet, make sure there's not any there when I get back, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so and, you uh, say Oklahoma State? That sounds like a Barry Switzer move, right? It does sound like Barry Switzer, doesn't it? Oh, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you who the coach was. Someone's all of, not there anymore. All of this stuff is in the public domain at this point. Yeah, if this, it happened in the '90s, we can talk about it. It's right, fine. Who, yeah, cares? who cares? Yeah, I mean, Barry Switzer was buying a, a Trans Am for these guys. Barry Switzer has very has been very open about paying. Recruits. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, he was giving these guys fur coats and cocaine. He yes. did whatever he wanted to to yeah. recruits. The '80s rocked, man. God, we need to do an '80s Southwest Conference episode at some point. Dude, there was uh, I, I think I've done this with you before, maybe off the air, but. At one point in time, there was a TV show planned uh, that was going to have... Uh, it was like the same guys who made Miami Vice mm-hmm. were going to make a TV show about Southwest Conference recruiting oh, in the 80s. Man. you know how cool that would have been? God, that rocks. It just got, I think this was like in 2014 or 15. It yeah. was being planned. It just got nixed, unfortunately. Yeah, that rocks. Switzer it, himself was an EP, which is really oh, funny. Yeah, just just the, the absolute... <laughs> like Even like the conference name plays it up, right? The absolute Wild West of like football mm-hmm. recruiting. This was when it really started to take hold. I think that there was... This was mentioned uh, second straight episode where I have referenced the uh, the SMU 30 for 30. Uh, Pony 
success. Yes, yeah. but I think that there was a there was a point in that documentary where they make note that every single member of the Southwest Conference was on probation at once <laughs> <laughs> during the eighties because they were all like like Rice was getting in on it. Right? Yeah. It's just like there, there's a few of those thirty for thirties that have touched on this. There was yeah. one about obviously the Pony Excess, the biggest one. Yeah. There's also one about that Oklahoma running back who ended up. Like, was Bud, really, I think it was Bud Dupree. Right? That sounds right. Yeah. I ended up washing that. No, Bud Dupree is the Steelers player. It was, oh shit! It was an, it, Marcus Dupree. Yeah, that that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, not Bud. Yeah, there's there one about maybe Houston. I think there was one. There, there's several of these. You can look these up, or many of you probably watched them. But yeah. uh, it's it's a very good uh, explanation of how it used to happen. Yeah. And what we're talking about now is how it still happens. Yeah, it's not quite as explicit now, right? You yeah. don't you don't really have you know it's become more sophisticated. Yeah, you don't really have five star running backs showing up in the gold Trans Am, right? That, yeah. That's a, that's a little like modern boosters are saying that's a little gaudy for yeah. us. Yeah. Wait till you get to campus at least. Yeah, yeah. come on, it, it's 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 more you know here's a really nice truck that the average person wouldn't know was a really nice truck, right? Things like that. That's a southwestern Georgia special. Yes, yes, <laughs> we love the really nice truck, like the yeah. the extremely strangely nice truck. Yeah, yeah, it's just the Ford F-150 that you somehow made cost $75,000 yeah. uh, because you just love to, I don't know, uh, be a diesel guy. Yeah. Oh, there's a great, um, the, the the article that a lot of people know about about this stuff is the Stephen Godfrey Bagman article, mm-hmm. which I still read sometimes. Um, and he talks about the, uh, you know, kid just bought a new or like a used, uh, like a used car, uncle paid for it in cash. Uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, are you, you know, are you going to say that he couldn't do that? You racist, right? Yeah, like that's, course. that's how a lot of it works, right? It's just, it's, how are you going to fucking track that? I'm going to go off to a completely unrelated tangent real quick. Talking yeah. about these trucks and SUVs and stuff like that. I read a pretty interesting article, uh, maybe a couple months ago now that kind of talked about, I mean, we've all seen like these expanding grills on like SUVs. And, and the one I think about is the Cadillac Escalade, which mm-hmm. I always, I desperately wanted when I was a little kid. Uh, I think it's 50 Cent drove one in a music video. I was Love like, I gotta that. have that yes. car. Um, and uh, now, basically, uh, the only kind of cars that get that are profitable for a lot of manufacturers are the giant trucks and SUVs that are just absolutely massive. And mm-hmm. Part of that's because the gas consumption is kind of leveled out. But anyway, because they make these grills so high and so wide and so flat that um, the rate of like deaths and serious injuries in car to car accidents has basically gotten better every year for decades. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, car to pedestrian was getting better too. Cause people just didn't hit as many pedestrians. Yeah. Um, but because now you can't even see the front of your own car, uh, it's the, the death rate in a SUV or truck accident with a pedestrian has skyrocketed <laughs> in the last decade. Um, someone did a study of that escalated that you'd have to line up. I think it was 14 kindergartners in a single file row be able to see the head of the last one jesus christ and it's you just, shouldn't generally you shouldn't do that <laughs> it's just like these cars are killing people it's crazy anyway yeah. it's just nothing to talk i just yes. thought it was interesting yeah if you have if if you can the, the the lesson here is that if you can see a kindergartner with that car then you're in trouble you're in a bad spot you got 13 ahead of that one and <laughs> Stop like, oh, buying his oh, fucking shit. cars! Yeah. Oh shit! Just, I drove. I drove into a fucking game of knockout. <laughs> oh crap! I'll never play a hopscotch. <laughs> anyway, look, just drive a Honda Civic like a normal person. That's oh, all I'm trying to say. Man, five star quarterback driving around in a fucking Toyota. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the, the rush probes thing. <laughs> speaking of malignant influences on society, yeah. we're gonna kill speaking- kindergartners. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of car accidents, yeah, oh, um, man. 
So, uh, so anyway, back to Rush Probes. I think we were talking about uh, Kirby Smart last time I left off and, and his <laughs> knowledge of uh, Probes' knowledge of Kirby's oh, recruiting tactics. Uh, Probes said directly on that audio, which you guys just heard uh, 20 minutes ago yeah, at this point, yeah. <laughs> uh, that Kirby learned everything he knew from his time spent working under Nick Saban. Yeah. Uh, he says that uh, Paul Bear Bryant Jr., uh, you may be able to recognize that as Bear Bryant's son. Mm-hmm. The guy uh, who, who famously killed UAB. That was his, <laughs> his big contribution to Alabama football was that he murdered UAB. Well, that's not his only big contribution, according to Rush Probst. Mm. <laughs> he says that Paul Bear Bryant Jr. is the one guy that Nick Saban answers to and who runs the entire operation of money yeah. that has been in place since Bryant's father's time in Alabama in the 60s. Yeah. He says that Mobile's where all that dirty money comes. And he references a few other areas, uh, Florence, Alabama, the west side of the state. Um, he, he said a, a name on there, um, Amos Cooper, mm-hmm. which I couldn't find any record of. He claimed he's the second richest man in Alabama, which uh, to me sounds like a guy who's probably some kind of drug lord as well as Alabama recruiting. Um, I looked up the, a, a few different wealthy families in Alabama, and it was kind of hard to find details. There's a Comer family he might have got them confused with. Mm-hmm. Probes is a lot of like, bright guys, so it's very possible he yeah. just had the name wrong. Um Anyway, basically what he's intimating is there's a very sophisticated operation that uh, Paul Bear Bryant Jr. runs a shadow empire of just rich Alabamans who funnel money to him, and he handles all the recruit payments. Um, Which, if that's true, that's an insane way to do it. That, that is, one guy has all the knowledge? That one guy has all the knowledge, and also that it's a guy that people know. That is not how you're supposed to do no, it. No, it sure isn't. You, you, if you are paying recruits, no one should know your name. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially what Pablo Escobar's problem was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is sort of we have like a an Alabama El Chapo situation. Yeah, if you start showing up in Forbes for being like the guy who's oh. the best at paying recruits, that's probably not like uh, <laughs> that's not great for you. Oh yeah, you got like a cover where it's just like the uh, the close up picture of like a like a you know like a stack of money, and it's like meet the money man behind Nick Saban's football operations. Like that's not good. That's no, not what you want. You don't want that. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, here's the other thing too. I am not a naive person. I fully am aware that Alabama cheats. Mm-hmm. Of all the schools in the country that would have to cheat to recruit well, Bama is last on the list. Yeah. Like, Bama does, again, uh, parody, allegedly, satire, whatever. Yeah. All these schools cheat. Yeah, we're not, we're not reporting anything yeah, here. If, all... if, you, if you watch college football, then you, I think you're at least vaguely yeah, aware of this. Like, come these on, schools grow up. all pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to their signing class. To cost, of, cost of doing business. Yes. That's it's just, what it is. It, you, if you're going to make this much money on it, you're going to spend it somewhere. Yeah. Well, goddamn, every top 20 program has a billionaire behind them or, or, yeah. or several millionaires that make up you know billionaires. It's pocket change these guys. They yeah. don't care. Yeah. Uh, it just helps the kids. And then a bunch of small business tyrants who really want to spend yeah. $10,000 They just a give year. you a car dealership and yeah. you know, they give you a, you know, like you said, a Ford truck that can kill kindergartners, stuff yeah. like that. There are a lot of people that really like football and have a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, yeah, if I were rich, I'd probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Parody. <laughs> um, anyway, look, uh, if all the people that would have to cheat this extensively, just be, I mean, again, they do cheat, of course, not to say that, but to be yeah. giving out like the biggest paychecks, why would it be Nick Saban? I don't... Nick Saban sends more guys to the NFL than anyone who's ever coached football. Yeah. He wins more national championships than anyone who's ever coached football. Like, that's the school that has it pretty easy. Yeah. They just want to get these players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just would like to do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think it's community service that Nick Saban pays these players, <laughs> and we should celebrate him for that. Nick Saban is a heroic anti-racist. <laughs> yes. Nick Saban is single-handedly being the Robin Hood of the South. Oh, He's man. redistributing funds from, like, guys who own steel companies in Birmingham yeah. uh, to players who, like, grow up in poverty without air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, he's delivering the money directly to guys who post, like, little baby quotes to their Instagram story. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. We, it's like it is. It's it's community service. It He's, rocks. I, yeah. Honestly, I am not being ironic about. No. it. I really think it's cool. Yeah, it's like I would rather those guys have the money than fucking you know Bear Bryant's son. Yeah. If you ever complain about a player getting paid off the records, shut up. They should get paid more. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like that's the only complaint yeah, you can the have. IRS. Like yeah. fuck off, you nerd. Yeah, I don't care that like you know the five star recruit is uh, he should get more money, right? Yeah. Like I don't. I would. I would much rather he has it than you know these like you said car dealership guys. Like yeah. they don't need it. Yeah. And Anyway, take a listen to this uh, probes clip talking about Nick Saban. We, we've gone far enough about that. Just listen to the clip real quick here. Hey, Nick's got a name because Nick's got one guy he answers to, Paul Bear Bryant Jr. Paul Jr. is his go-to guy. Multi-multi. He's the second richest guy in Alabama. Or the third richest guy in Alabama is the guy from the Mobile. And so Amos Cooper. So Amos handles all the Mobile money. Coach Bryant had that set up in the 60s, 70s. So... Mobile, where all the dirty money comes, or over around Aliceville up to the west side of the state, up around Florence, down in that in that Joe Wheeler State Park money. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that's how Alabama handles every bit of their network. And then uh, we're not going to play this one. There's something else I thought was really funny I wanted to point out, uh, and kind of insane if it's true, which, again, why wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. Earlier in this recording, Probst claims he had boosters during his time at Hoover who were police officers, state police, and the mayor. He said specifically he would call up the chief of police, who would hand him $30,000 in cash appropriated during drug raids in the state of Alabama up and down the interstate, used to help pay for electrical bills, rent, clothes, and other expenses for his high school players. Uh, he (laughs) He said the mayor and chief of police were in on this. Which, that is an actual federal crime. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything else he said before is kind of just like, oh, yeah, sure, that's that's Raj. Just, yeah. you know, talking uh, about players getting paid. Inventing the new power program in the SEC by, by getting in good with a police office. Yeah. And then, like, taking, like, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the. The, the the contraband locker and just right. like you know that's where your recruits do their official visits is to the, the police yeah. contraband locker <laughs> look you pick any drug you want and there's a stack of three thousand dollars in cash right there you take your pick you can take any two no no one two <laughs> don't get greedy uh, uh yeah it's like a, it's like the halloween basket out on the front porch right. like, take two <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like what cops usually do when they seize that money is used to pay for like you know armored vehicles and guns and stuff yeah so actually should we be selling Celebrating the Hoover Department for instead of doing that, giving this money <laughs> for football recruits. Are they the only good police department oh, in America? Oh, man. It's, it's a lot to think about, for sure. I would imagine they're not the only ones doing this. Sure not. But uh, That is the, something that's I've never heard. This is the first time I've ever heard of that. I, look, yeah. like I said, I've worked in recruiting for a few years. I've heard some wild stories about how kids got paid, and allegedly, yeah. and uh, you know the systems this works under. Hearing about police drug appropriation money going <laughs> to high school recruiting efforts is uh, the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. God, that's yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, he also uh, goes on the record <laughs> with Nub Nelson to talk about. Uh, he just mentions like five players almost by name. He mentions their high schools they went to. I'm yeah. sure I, we could all look this up. He's recruiting players in like three different states to come play for him at Valdosta. <laughs> I'm just trying to win football. Yeah, games. public school. Once, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a this public, is school. A public school. Yeah, I mean he's won seven state titles in his time as coach, and he claimed he should have won another three or four. On top of that, um, so I mean this is a guy that wins a lot, and it's no secret how he does it. I yeah, mean, he, he gets the best players yeah, this, in the area to move to his school. This is not a Kevin Kelly type where he's like never punting and you know like doing that that stuff. This is a uh, this is your your Urban Meyer of high school. Well, football. he he never punts on an opportunity to pay a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we respect him for it. We do love it. I mean, look again, Rush Probst 
is probably a dirtbag. Yeah, I don't think think I would have much in common with Rush Probst other than thinking that it's cool to pay play. I would love (laughs) to have dinner at at a strip club with Rush Probst (laughs) and just like hear the absolutely filthy things he would say about both recruiting, the women involved, the dinner, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) He seems like one of the grossest guys who's ever lived. Yeah, just a nasty little creep. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Parody. (laughs) No. I think I can go on the record saying Rush Probes is a nasty yeah. What's he going to do? Listen to the podcast? Uh, maybe. He Listen. probably does. Yeah, we got guys in England. We got some some guys in India. We probably could get one in Georgia. Listen, if you're the guy in India listening to this podcast and you have a good football player over there that you know about, yeah. I will get him paid. Yeah, let us know. I will do a federal crime to get that guy recruited. <laughs> Parody. We're going we're gonna to smuggle a really good Indian wide receiver into America. <laughs> Great Kali is going to come to play off the tackle oh at like Vanderbilt. Yeah, just um, like <laughs> just send, shipping us a six foot ten, four hundred pound defensive tackle. <laughs> Isn't that what happened with Minnesota? They recruited that kid who oh, went uh, from yes. New Zealand who went to Australia or uh, New Something, Zealand went who, to Minnesota. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was from like IMG, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Daniel, uh, Daniel uh, Faluafly or something like I that. I probably butchered that. That yeah. was awful. Something like that. Um, We're gonna do that. That's our plan. Yes, that's the ultimate. See, a lot of podcasts they do like advertisements for, you know, um, like <laughs> we're doing crimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not gonna start selling. You know, we're not gonna start hawking for hymns. We're going to start hawking recruits. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna approach different assistant coaches around college football. If you're an assistant coach listening to this and you need a, uh, you know, you need a talented wide receiver, you know where to find us. Yeah, yeah, fi- number, yeah. Find us on Signal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I think that's pretty much all we've got today, right? I yeah, think that's, uh, that's everything. I guess we do, we should uh, uh, mention once again our Q and A. Uh, yes. Before we, we head out of here, um, and once again, guys, we are doing that Q and A episode. It's, it's almost certainly going to be next week. Um, we would love to hear any questions you have for us. Um, please send them in via a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get the uh, podcast listened to by more people. Mm-hmm. Um, helps you get your question answered. Um, Gives us a better chance of finding an assistant coach to pair with our that's you know, right. our, our, our wares. <laughs> yeah, you can help us keep us ad-free. You can help keep recruits ad-free. Yes, exactly. Uh, this is sponsored by Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. This was a this was a fun one. A little bit of a looser episode than what we're used to, but uh, it's the riff zone, baby. Yeah, it's listen, a Friday afternoon. Yeah, we're we're loose. You know, we're we're uh, we're, we're we're kicking it out here. So uh, thank you all so much for checking out Flip the, flipping the field. Like Ryan said, please send in your questions if you have any. Um, this is the college football podcast about all of college football, including but not limited to um, Lance Leopold and Kansas. And it's actually mostly just a Lance Leopold podcast. Mostly a Lance Leopold podcast. Yeah. Um, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to, as Ryan mentioned, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends that there's a new, really good college football podcast. Um, it's good. I can say it's good, right? It's a good pod. Yeah, I'm allowed to say it's good. People love it. Yeah, yeah. Folks, we love the podcast. Um, uh, let me be clear. It's a good podcast. <laughs> unbelievable. Um, Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at B1G underscore Ryan. Uh, you'll mostly right now hear me just talking about uh, various incredibly stupid college basketball games. Yeah, you've been sort of losing your mind over Ohio State basketball, which is currently about to win in overtime, if you were wondering. They went to overtime? Yeah, it's 87-70. They had an 18-point right halftime lead. Yeah. God damn it. It's cool. It's cool. It's I'm funny. not going to I'm going to get off the air before I say anything I regret. <laughs> uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. My writing is at the Outside Zone newsletter on Substack, available three times a week for just $5 a month. Um, do we have anything else? Tell me. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See you.